Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to everyone joining us online as well. Cool story online, uh, Brad and Sally Meyer. Sally Meyer's son, Clint, is doing his basic training uh, down in Fort Hood, Texas. And so I want to give a shout out to Clint because he's been, Sally said to me a few weeks ago, she's like, oh, if you see me texting during the service, it's because Clint and I are dialoguing about the worship service. It's like he's sitting beside her, but he's down in Fort Hood because he's able to join us online, and it's just cool to hear about the steps towards Jesus that he's taking. Clint, we're for you, we're with you, we're praying. Thank you for serving our country the way that you are. Isn't it cool that our technology can help a young man like that in Fort Hood, Texas? So, whether it's Petula Myers in Bosnia, whether it's Paul and Kate Keller in Sicily, that's what it means to try to leverage technology to get Jesus' word out to the ends of the earth. Amen. So open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're building off of where we left off last week, the statement that Jesus made in John 16, where he said in John 16 this, he said, it is for your good that I'm going to be leaving. And we talked about how there's nothing really rational about that thought. If Jesus were physically with us, and we'd say, it's really for your good that he's going to physically exit, we'd say, no, not so much. And Jesus said, really, it's better when I physically exit, because when I physically exit, the Spirit is going to come and indwell you. So this morning, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be Spirit-filled and live Spirit-led? D.L. Moody, well-known name in evangelical circles, D.L. Moody was in his prime in the mid to late 1800s. Moody Bible Institute founded after D.L. Moody. He traveled mainly around England and all through the United States preaching about Jesus. He would go to arenas like this one. Uh, They said up to 20,000 people would gather to listen to D.L. Moody. They estimated that in his lifetime, he preached personally to 100 million people face-to-face. Imagine that. Now, this is before like amplified sound. He didn't have like these wonderful things like wireless microphones. Can you just picture how the, the voice and the way he had to train his voice and how he had to care for, to project the way that would project for literally day after day after day proclaiming the words of Jesus. Well, in one of his gatherings, an elderly woman came up to D.L. Moody at the end of one of his messages, and, he, and she said this. She said, Reverend Moody, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? He looked at her, said, yes, but I leak. We're all leaky vessels, yes? Into that leaky vessel, Paul writes these words this morning, Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. If you haven't pulled out your message notes You can do that in your bulletin, or if you haven't downloaded the app, they're there electronically for you as well. Ephesians 5, Paul says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, circle in your Bibles, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want you to notice links here between verse 17 and 18. In your Bibles, maybe underline and draw a connection between, therefore, do not be foolish, and connect it to verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, and then connect verse 17, understand what the Lord's will is, connect it to be filled with the Spirit. So here Paul says, hey, 
writing to the church at Ephesus, hey, hey, don't be foolish about this. Don't be foolish about placing yourself under the controlling influence, in this case of wine or of alcohol or marijuana or prescription drugs or whatever. Don't place yourself, legal or not, under the controlling influence of some other substance. If you're a follower of Jesus, why would you want to surrender control to any other substance than what he is charging us to do here, right, which is instead be filled and the language there is to an ongoing, it's present tense, to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we leak. Because we're cracked vessels. And we need this ongoing infilling of the Spirit. And so whether it's, a, it's not really an issue with a drunk with wine, isn't really an issue of legality. It's not about a legal issue in the eyes of the state. It's about a holiness issue in the eyes of God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that consumption of alcohol is foolish. It's the condition of drunkenness. Now, there's wisdom that says if you can't handle consuming alcohol, if it always leads consumption of alcohol leading to drunkenness, Paul would say, well, back it up. You maybe need to draw a line and not have any. Does that make sense? So the issue is this. The issue isn't whether you can consume alcohol. The issue is if you're going to consume it, can you do it in such a way that it isn't a controlling influence in your life? That's the thing. And Paul says, because there's a condition called wisdom. It would be a condition called foolishness. So students, this is why your student leaders and your parents and your pastors are always saying, be careful about what you allow to be a controlling influence in your life. Why? Because the Bible calls it foolishness to allow anything or anyone to have that level of influence apart from this. The spirit of the living God said, be filled, be influenced, be controlled, be spirit-filled, be spirit-led. And so what we're going to talk about this morning when Jesus said, hey, it's for your good that I go, for the opportunity you have to live this life full of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing invitation that you can live a life full of, do you believe that? Even as a leaky vessel, you can live full of the Holy Spirit with a continual infilling. So we're going to look at three characteristics this morning of what a life look like, looks like that is filled with the Spirit, Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. And the first one in your notes, I put it this way. The first characteristic of a person full of the Spirit is they have soft hearts and hard feet. Soft hearts and hard feet. I want you to take a look at this video from a missionary in Hong Kong, Jackie Pullinger. Take a look at this. At the age of 21, Jackie Pullinger boarded the cheapest ship she could find, stopping off at the greatest number of countries and prayed to know where to disembark. She arrived in Hong Kong in 1966 when the Cultural Revolution was beginning in China and a flood of refugees was about to burst across the border into Hong Kong. More and more people crammed into a place called the Walled City, a small densely populated lawless area. Jackie Pullinger has spent nearly half a century living there, working with prostitutes, heroin addicts and gang members. In a talk she gave to a church back in England, she started by saying, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. I think a soft heart is, I don't know how to explain it really, but you probably need yours broken in order for it to become soft. 
um, and that's when you begin to realize that that the Son of God um, would have died for you if you'd been the only person. And then that the, the hard feat is to go on loving them, to go on loving them, to persevere. Do you see see the connection here? So Jackie Pollinger saying, hey, an indication of a person whose really life's been taken over by the Spirit is there's this there's this hardening of feet that happens. And I think about around here, I think in all the years we've been together, I think about so many hard feet I've been able to witness. You know, I think about Danny Marquez and Allie King on the near west side around here. And I think about how Allie, you know, she used to live in Royal Run here in Zionsville. She sold her home and she moved to a neighborhood. It's a lot different than Zionsville's neighborhood. And she's there to deal with the brokenness of the west side, hard feet. Or I think about Dave and Don Rose, who serve so faithfully up in Lebanon, have a house called Teen Challenge, who are there to help teenage girls who are caught in the cycle of addiction and all that comes with ministering week after week, month after month, year after year, hard feet. I think of Petula Myers, who lives in 16 years now in Sarajevo, Bosnia, and as a single woman in an area where she wakes, awakens every morning to the Muslim call to prayer. She says there's seven mosques in her neighborhood and no sign of a church. And I think about how she just stayed faithfully there to be a light for Jesus in a really, really hard place of the world. And I could go on and on, right, about so many of you who serve and give and help and just giving yourself away and loving acts of service to others, to often the places that are the overlooked, the marginalized, the forgotten, the, the least... Uh, the most thankless settings, and you just stay there, like, like Jackie was saying on the video, right? You just stay in those places, how? But you see, there's really no ability to have hardened feet without a softened heart, right? You see, there's a softening of the heart, and I love what she said. I mean, just there's so much in that statement, right? I'm not sure if your heart can be soft, she said, unless it's been broken. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, your heart when it's really broken. It's probably no coincidence when I think about in my life, the people that I've, when I've got around and noticed the softening of their heart to the things of the Spirit are also the people who've walked through life's deepest valleys and darkest days. Their heart's been broken in those places. They've been through some things where on the other side, right, they've decided to stay with Jesus in the valley. Now, not everyone who goes through the deep valley in the dark days comes out with a soft heart. You with me? Sometimes we go through a deep valley or dark day, and if we're honest, our heart's gotten a little hard to the things of the Lord. We've become a little bitter, angry, resentful. That's a whole other journey that can go on. But what Jackie's saying here in this video is, if you stay with Jesus in the valley and your heart is broken with him, you come through that, and there's just this softening, where there's a sensitivity to the spirit that goes on the other side of this. There's an awareness to what God's up to. There's an alertness and an attentiveness to the, the pain of others around you. The empathy and compassion. Don't You know people in your life like that. Our church is filled with dozens and dozens of people like this. And you know what? These are the folks you want to show up at your bedside when you're at the end of your rope. You know it. Because they're there. They have softened hearts. And their feet are hardened to go to those places. It's not easy. But why are they there? Because their heart has been touched. The Spirit has come in. The Spirit is softening and working. And the feet become hard to go and to stay 
to stay in those places a lot longer than our own preferences would want us to stay. And this is a sign of someone who's been filled with the Spirit. Your heart is softened and your feet are hardened. And perhaps this morning, that's a work the Spirit wants to do in us. In a bit, when we go to the table, one of the prayers you may be whispering on the way to the table is, Lord, soften my heart. And Lord, harden my feet. How? The Spirit. Don't be foolish. And place yourself under the controlling influence of all these other things. Instead, what? Be filled with the Spirit. Live a life of wisdom. Be filled with the Spirit. Spirit, come, lean into the Spirit, seek the Spirit, come, soften my heart and harden my feet. Second quality of a person full of the Holy Spirit is they're consumed with Christ. There's this outflow of the life when someone who's been really filled with the Spirit of God, they can't get enough of Jesus. Jesus is their everything. They want to know Christ. They want to serve Christ. They want to delight in Christ. They want to be around Jesus. They want to become like Jesus. They want to get around others who are hanging with Jesus, who are going Jesus' way. There's something in that. There's a delighting in him. There's a coming alive in him. They just can't get enough of Jesus. You've been around people like that? You know someone's filled with the Spirit when they can't get enough of Jesus. They're consumed with Christ. They're Colossians 3, 4 people. When Paul said this, Paul said, there's a statement in Colossians 3, 4, it's unbelievable. When Paul said, and Christ who is your life. Are you kidding? That's an amazing statement. Christ who is your life. Or when John said in John chapter 1, in him was life, and that light was the light of men, referring to Jesus. Or he said in John 10, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Right, when Christ, who is your life, you see when a person is filled with the Spirit, follow me here, when someone's full of the Spirit, the question moves from, is Jesus your Savior? Which is a fine question. There's a better question. Is Jesus your life? Is he your treasure? Like he told us, you found out this treasure is buried in this field and you found out about that field and you said, you go and sell everything you have to buy that field and get that treasure. Is he your life? Is he the deepest desire is what Jesus said? Do you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? A person full of the Spirit is consumed with Christ. He is their life. Here's an image from this past Thursday night's elders meeting. We were praying together out at the one-day wall. Are you encouraged at the one-day wall? Did you notice some cards are flipping? I want to encourage you, if you haven't placed your prayer card out there, please do. There's still some free nail hooks out there. There are cards out there. Because we're believing God for big things through this Lenten season. And we're asking him to turn any old ordinary day into a one day when God breaks through and breaks in. And, and when God answers, we're flipping the card over. And I want to encourage you to walk up to the wall and the cards that have flipped, flip them over and say, look what God did. God did that. And God did that. God's personal. God's powerful. He can come through. He's with us. He's for us. He's able and so Thursday night in our elders meeting with some of the staff there as well, the staff and the elders gathering, and we're just praying over these cards. Believe in God for big things. So encouraged that we have the kind of elders, the kind of men who I see what we're describing here today. I see men full of the Holy Spirit. And this past Thursday, Scott Granati shared our devotional in the elders meeting. If you haven't got to know Scott, 
I encourage you to spend some time with him. And his 2019 hasn't gone like the way Scott would have imagined it going, but here's the conclusion that he shared with us as a board. He's learning afresh what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. A consuming with Christ. When we were praying over that wall, you know, my one-day prayer card is, is up there towards the top because I ask everybody's a little bit taller, right? Use the top nail hooks up there. And I put on this, said, one day, Lord, one day, could we hire a new children's pastor just one day? Someday soon. I'm believing God to bring us a children's pastor. I don't know. We've gone, I don't know. You guys are, those of you serving children's ministry know how long it's been. It's probably been, we've been around a year or so plus. Praying, waiting, asking, interviewing, working hard, networking. We hired a search firm. The search firm said, we've gone through 284 candidates. We sent you 10 out of the 10. We felt led to go deeper with three. Out of the three, we were 0 for 3. Lord, really? And through this whole journey, not just with this children's position, but just want you to know what's in my heart. When we're interviewing staff around here, like, like what's at the top of the stack in a conversation like that? What are you trying to discern above all else? What I've learned to do with each of the candidates is simply put all the cards on the table right out of the gate and say, look, for me, the question isn't really whether you can do the job. Here's what... I'm in this conversation, and we're hanging out for these hours, and we're spending this time. We're taking a deep dive under this. I want to know at the end of this day or at the end of this week or at the end of this process, is Christ your life? Is he your life? Do you love him? Do you really love him? Is your heart broken? Is it soft for the things that God's heart is soft for? Are your feet hardened and ready to go to places that may be really hard to go? Is he your life? Church, you can't fake that. You know that. I think it's way more important for us to be looking for those caliber of leaders in an important position like a children's pastor role to say, I want someone where Christ is their life. Of course they have to love kids. Of course they have to be great with parents. Of course they have to be able to do the work. But more important than that, they got to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you'd think, well, that's kind of playing pastor obvious. Like, isn't that like before you'd even apply? Gang. There's a whole lot of folks looking for jobs at churches where I think there's a question mark on this very point. And so the feedback from the search firm recently has been, "Ah, you know, your your bar might be a little high. And I want to be teachable and humble about it, but I'm just not willing to move on that stake. And I hope those of you, especially who have children, would know, man, that, that's how much this matters to us. When you get around someone like Ian Black or Brad Yanashevsky or Julia who are working in our student ministry, and you get around these guys, you know what? Christ is their life, and you know it. And the spilling over and the impact of that, that. Because when you're full of the Holy Spirit, I just don't think, it's like what Craig Barnes said, the ultimate purpose of spirituality is to fall deeply in love with God. That. You know when someone's filled with the Spirit because they're consumed with Christ. Their hearts are softened, their feet hardened. And then thirdly, and lastly this morning, there's this coming to the end of yourself. There's a coming to the end of yourself. A person full of the Holy Spirit is this. I want you to think about this as kind of 
what the Bible would call the self-life. The sand in here represents all the stuff in our life that just we fill up with. Like I think about my own life. My life could just get so filled with so many things. My life can get filled with broken, brokenness and hurt and pain, sometimes a grief and loss of others, sometimes it's just disappointment, my own sin, my own selfishness, my own pride, whatever it is. Like our life can just get filled up with so many things. It can be just distractions, it can just be pace, just be life. It just gets filled up. And we can get so full that if this container represents our life and the sand represents the self-life and this water represents the spirit wanting to pour in, there's no room. There's no room for the water to go in when the container's so full of all these other things. And so here's the first step to the filling. The first step to the filling is this. There's got to be an emptying. The emptying is the first step to the filling. The emptying looks like what? What is emptying? The emptying is like, you know what, Lord, I'm not nearly in control as I think I am. I'm going to loosen the grip. You know what, Lord, I, I know I often say, Lord, I got this, but part of the emptying is realizing, Lord, I, I really don't have this. I'm not smart enough or strong enough to kind of power my way through all that I think in life I've got to power through. I've got to come to the end of myself. I've got to come to a place of surrender. I need to empty this thing out because then when you empty, then What? Then you're in a place, now, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit, O oh God. So the emptying becomes the precursor to the filling. You say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. If you're paying attention, you say, huh? You want a visual for the Christian life? Don't be foolish, Paul says. Don't submit yourself to a bunch of other controlling influences. By the way, that's a sure indication of putting a whole lot more holes in this bottle. Submit yourself to all kinds of other controlling influences, and that thing becomes. <laughs> Instead, what? Instead, be, be filled with the Spirit, but, but be continually filled with the Spirit. Why? Because we leak. Say, oh, Lord, come fill me. Oh, God, fill me. I need a fresh infilling of your Spirit. Soften my heart, harden my feet. I want to be increasingly consumed with you. I want the things that are on your heart to be on my heart. Christ is my life. I want that. That's this. So worship team, come on back up. So here's what we're going to do, church. Probably appropriate image, the water just running right off the table. <laughs> so in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to be dismissed to the communion tables. And I want you to think about something here this morning as you go to the table. Jesus' broken body and shed blood. That table represents 
the life we've just been talking about for the last 25 minutes or so, this life, to be spirit-filled, to be spirit-led, this life is only available because of that table. Because Jesus' heart was soft and his feet were hard, because he was willing to go all the way to the end. When they were beating, when they were mocking, when they were whipping, when they drove the nails on the spikes, he gave himself. His feet were so hard, he was fixed on it. He didn't say it was easy. He asked the Father for a plan B. The Father said, still only plan A. And his feet were hard and his soft was soft. His feet were hard and he goes, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give up my one and only life. And that's what that table represents. So when you go to that table and you tear off that bread, I want you to think about the softened heart of Jesus. And when you dip it into that juice, I want you to think the hardened feet of Jesus. And then perhaps this morning, it's whispering a prayer. Maybe this morning it's a prayer for you to say, Lord, I need you to soften some places in my heart. The Bible describes how he takes out those hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. Maybe there's been some stony and callous places and this morning is a work of softening. Or maybe it's a place where you know God's been speaking and stirring about some steps of obedience. And you're like, oh, Lord, that's just so hard. Maybe this morning it's, Lord, I need you to harden my feet. I need you to give me strength beyond myself to say yes and amen to what it is you're calling me to say yes and amen to. And then give me the energy of the Holy Spirit to stay there a lot longer than I want to. Just obey. Maybe it's that. So maybe it's a prayer of softening and hardening. Maybe it's a prayer of consuming. Maybe it's, Lord, there's just so many other things. My life has just become filled with so many other things. And, and maybe it's a recognize, Lord, I want to be consumed with you. Maybe it's a prayer of infilling. Lord, I need you to fill me afresh this morning. You come to the table and say, fill me, oh God. Fill me to the measure of the fullness of God. I'm leaking. I know it. I need your help. I need your strength. Come and fill me. Maybe in that invitation, it's a prayer of emptying. Maybe this morning, it's a recognition. I, this morning is about loosening the grip, relinquishing control, saying. We transition from saying, Jesus, I got this, to Jesus, I need you. That's someone on the cusp of being filled with the Spirit. You lay down the spiritual Heisman where you just say, you know, Jesus, I got this, I got this. No, you realize, you know what, Jesus, I need you. It's the core of the gospel. The core of the gospel is I can't, you can, please help. Don't make it any more complicated than that. Maybe that's this morning. And so these prayer benches will be open for you to come and if you want to be prayed with or prayed for, maybe it's a prayer of healing, maybe it's a prayer of infilling of the Spirit, maybe it's a prayer of softening, maybe it's a prayer of consuming, prayer of emptying, whatever it is, you can come and be prayed for. You don't have to be a member of Eagle to participate in our communion. The scriptures are clear, though. You need to be a member of the body of Christ. You need to have given your heart to Christ. And if you're not sure if you've done that, you can pray right now and say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. I can't, you can, please help. I know you're the Messiah, the Lord. I give you my heart and life. You do that right now, and then you go to the communion table you take your first communion. You can do that. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. 
This is your time. If you've never been at Eagle for communion, we just kind of dismiss to the tables on the sides and people get up and some individually, some go as families, some as life groups. You, you do whatever. And maybe if you've come with a friend, just grab their hand and take them over to the table and do this together and just spread out all around the room, come to the prayer areas. The team will kind of lead us through some time of worship. But at the heart of it is this, right? I think the elderly woman with D.L. Moody was right. Reverend Moody, are you filled with the Spirit? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. But I leak. But I leak. So Jesus, come and have your way and fill me again. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that your broken body and your shed blood. Thank you that you made a way when there seemed to be no way. Thank you for your soft heart and hard feet. Thank you for your willingness to go to the hard places and stay. Thank you for the life you've purchased. And now meet us here as we go to the tables. We do this as an act of worship to you. I want to be sensitive to what your spirit is saying. And at the heart and core of it, Lord, we just collectively say, Oh, Jesus, fill us. Fill us with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.